0: Hello and welcome to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants who work with me to help me build stronger, healthier, better versions of food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for over 25 years now. We're taking you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of them. I was first introduced to Dom and Karis from Licolix eight years ago when they were just setting up and looking for funding and also coming into the food industry from outside. A mutual friend thought it would be useful for them to meet somebody from within the industry who could help shortcut them to some of the contacts they might need. And so I was introduced. Today, we had planned to interview both of them, but... A surge in sunshine in the UK has meant an uptake of orders for lollies. And so Dom has gone into their production facility today to oversee some additional production. Great news for them. A shame for us that we miss out on one half of this duo. Licolix is a challenger brand and they've known all along that they were dealing with some very large competitors. Companies like Unilever, Nestle, those kinds of companies. So they had very strong branding right from the start and a clear differentiation about what their product was and what it brought to the market that others don't. That has helped them establish themselves, given them a USP. And while they've always fought to keep their organic lollies as competitive as they can, it has given them an edge in the market and help them establish themselves. I know you're going to enjoy hearing what Karis shares, and so we're just going to get right into the podcast now. So thank you very much for finding time to sit down and chat to me about your business and about how you got into it and what you do. Can we just start? Can you tell me how you describe your job within Lickalix to other people?
1: How do I describe my job? So... It's almost like I am mum of the company, <laughs> which is I'm mum in uh, our family life and mum in the company. So I'm kind of like the glue that holds everything together as well and the organizer. So I take, uh, well, I'm in charge of various bits of HR, marketing, um, it used to be production, but Dom um, is doing that now, and events. But in general, yeah, I'm the glue that sticks everything together and organises it all and makes people in the right place and makes everything, I'm sure everything's been done, which I suppose is um, quite my personality. (laughs) So I hope I suit that role.
0: I would agree with you. I think you're right. I think you are the glue that holds everything together. And I know also how many, you know, how many bits of the business there are. You know, your business is making real fruit lollies with the minimal amount of sugar added into them. But beyond that, you know, there is, there's so much to any job. And I think that's always the biggest shock for people when they become self-employed, isn't it? That you suddenly realise you used to have a whole team of people that did stuff for you and suddenly absolutely everything falls to you. So tell me a little bit more just about how you divide things up in the business and how many people are working there. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You don't realise until you're in it
1: what there is to do. You, you know what? One of the funny things, one of the big things is like IT. Oh, I am so, I'm really quite untechnical. And in my old company, we had an IT department. So if anything went wrong, you know, I'd just call them up and, well, they'd come over um, in the kind of working in, in, in an office days um, and fix it. Now is, you know, and actually it's one of the really hard bits, the bits that you don't like about the kind of job, like boring admin uh, IT stuff that you're not very good at, but it needs to get done because, you know, your emails aren't coming through. And then actually it takes you away from the really important stuff of marketing, sales, chasing invoices, whatever it is, to go and fix your emails, which obviously nowadays there are loads of people to help you. So we have an IT consultant that we can just call in, but it's still not super easy you know, it's not a click of your fingers and someone comes and helps you. So that kind of sticks in my head of something that you don't necessarily think of when you're starting up your own business and you're thinking of the marketing, the sales and the kind of more glitzy bits. But yeah, and then, yeah, how are things divided up? So it it has naturally fallen with our strengths. And what's quite good about Dom and I is we complement each other in that way. So my strengths and his strengths complement and our weaknesses so I have come from a marketing design background and I'm very design-led in, in general in my life. So all our branding and our packaging and our social media and our whole marketing campaign is, is basically me. And then we also have a marketing manager who I work with on that. And we're kind of that team that l- looks after the marketing side. Um, I'm also events. I'm really quite organised or oh, since having kids, I feel like I'm not as organized because there's just too much going on. Um, you definitely but still are. I'm events as well. And that uh, events is part of our marketing anyway. It's just another strand to it, but a kind of experiential events. And it's also a sales revenue, but so I'm in charge of that part. And I'm HR because I don't know, maybe it's that mum thing again. And the whole just being a bit more organized and admin eat stuff. And then I was production. So From the beginning, I came up with the recipes and I'd been making these from scratch at home um, for friends and families. And that's how we came up with the idea that we looked to go and buy something for friends and family. And there wasn't anything like ours on the market. So it wasn't organic. It wasn't free from all our allergens. And it had a a load of additives and and stuff in there. And we were like, you know what, I'm already making these. This could be a really cool business idea. And it all stemmed from... um, what year was it? 2013, that really hot summer. And then the, I'm sure the summer's have never been hot as again.
0: <laughs> well, but I think, I think it looks like we could have another good one this year. So, um,
1: so yeah. So, uh, I came up with the recipes and production. I'm, you know, my brain works in quite a methodical way, which helps with production. So when we came to, starting Littlex, obviously we started in we we started at home first of all then we shared a factory with a macaroon company um in east london but then it got to the b that we had to move out and have our own factory so you know neither dom or i come from a food background or a food production background or food tech at all and we had to completely learn from scratch and set up a brand new factory which we we got a consultant in and helped us which is great actually jane i think you connected us with him so thanks (laughs) um and but yeah the the kind of cooking process and on all the flavors and the recipes and also then from that creative stance to then turn it into a you know full on properly production factory that goes from creativity to a kind of almost art down to mathematics almost and you know you then need to be technical be uh food safety, all of that stuff, it then becomes from being very design led and and about the flavours and and everything to being, yeah, really quite technical and uh, so yeah that's me and I kind of have both of those in my personality. Whereas Dom, he came from a he used to run a advertising company and the sales of it. So he's from the sales background. So he looks after all of our sales and also the finances. So He's way better than numbers with me, thank goodness. <laughs> um, so yeah, he is sales and finance, and God, then then there's all those bits that you think, what else does everybody do? Because there's so many other bits we do. And oh, actually, another point of having our own factory, which I'm not at all inclined to, is the technical bit of machinery. Oh, that's a hard one. But Dom is very good at that stuff. You can see where there's always kind of crossover and you can see in our factory roles that and even like, for example, events, we then have our own vehicles. So we have this really cool like VW camper van that's all jazzed out and looks really fun.
0: And it's called like, Kenny. Yes, he is called Kenny.
1: <laughs> we love our Kenny. And then we always have an one called Freddie. They all have names. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that crossover all the time. And then we've got Shiver. So Shiver helps. He's our sales manager. He looks after that side with Dom. And then we also have an events team as well. And we have a production team that works in the factory. So that's kind of like the split of everything that we do.
0: That is incredible. And it's amazing how, you know, we make isolates, which sounds quite straightforward, then becomes, you know, a much bigger thing. But I think it is great because you've done it gradually. I also think it's really good because... Although neither of you had that background, you got one machine and then you grew your line and then you got a bit more and then you realised you could, you know, instead of hand pouring, you could have a machine that poured and a machine that put the sticks in. And But also because you've no preconception of how that should be, you you did it by looking at other kit in other countries and things and just building it in the way that was right for you and learning as you went. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, all the maintenance of all these machines and things even is is a big thing. And now you're in your second production site of your own in a new a new site in Bermondsey. And that also has been, you know, I mean, because even just moving kit to somewhere new, it's amazing how much disruption there can be there in things. And I think it's often when we speak to people, they've realized they need to move but they maybe haven't allowed enough time and things. And it was great because you were able to do that over the winter last year. So you weren't doing it right at your peak time and things. So it's really important to have all that planning and everything built in too, so that you can plan for things like that. So you talked a little bit there about how it came about. It came about from an idea because you were making them yourselves. And then you thought this might be something that we could do together, which is great to, to get that history. And it's really, you know, it's great because everybody brings in different skills. And my mum and I were talking yesterday about if you've come from an entrepreneurial family, so you've seen other people doing that, that gives you one advantage but if you haven't come from an you know, what you do learn from your family and what you do pick up from other people and things. But, you know, just that it doesn't matter what your family background is or what your experience is and things. It adds something to everything that you're doing. And and it's great if everybody's got different experiences and things. But what you said too about IT, I can remember that. I remember the first time my computer didn't work when I worked for myself. And I pushed my chair back from my desk because I was going to get the IT guy. And as I stood up and wondered where I was going, I realised that I was the IT guy. You know, and I mean, I think now two things are better because I can find a YouTube video on what might be wrong I can do things. There are all sorts of online support. And I think even during COVID, that's got even stronger that the amount of stuff that's available to you because people don't want to come to your office and things. So the amount of online stuff you can get, but you're right, takes hours. I had to learn to do something new on Teams the other week. Um, I only have used, we tend not to use it. I tend to pop into it if another client wants to use it, you know, for a meeting. But somebody wanted me to share some documents on there. In their feet. Well, I ended up through to Microsoft because the version of Teams that I've got is a family version, not a business version. Who knew? You know, and suddenly, and I said later, I've lost three hours to resend an email that I'd already sent. Okay. Now I know how to do it, but you know, that's just so frustrating because that was not three hours that I'd planned to spend sending an email. So. It's really frustrating. So when you were growing up, what did you think working would look like? What were you thinking you were interested in? What were you thinking you were going to do? Right. What did I think?
1: At one point, I was going to be a ballerina for sure. Uh, I did. uh, I was. Well, actually, I was a ballet teacher um, and I was a tennis coach. I've had many um, jobs, but I did actually always have um, this dream of owning my own business and I kind of, I suppose I've been self-employed actually because I was a tennis coach and I looked after everything myself and so that was kind of before and during uni and then when I I, I took a gap year and then when I came back I went into kind of just what I thought I should do which is normal work and, and I worked for an agent, a design and branding agency and and I think, you know, unless you... And I never had the idea of what I should do as a kind of a, a business. And by going through life and having, what I'd go, you know, a normal job, then helped me realise and come across an idea for a business. But also, not just the idea, but being able to execute setting up a company and running the marketing and the design. And for example, you know, working in a design agency... I didn't need to employ a design agency to do my branding because I already had a very clear vision, and I worked in a branding agency for years, so I knew kind of you know what I wanted. So and that was how part of your skill set, absolutely. Designer. Yeah, that's what I'd done for a job. So yeah, I had always had this dream, um, but I wanted to own my own business, and Don was the same as well. He'd always had this idea that he wanted to, and I think sometimes it just comes by chance and life goes in that direction. It's interesting, actually, I'd never really thought about this before, but what you said about your family background and what they did. So actually, my dad owned his own business, and my mum owned her own business. Dom's mum owns her own business. So but I hadn't really thought about that, actually, until you just said that. So Khalila had this entrepreneurial family and experience and, and, and just just the life around me that I could see that. So, an
0: expectation of my dream that you could is it because
1: it? that I saw that was actually normal life for for me? I'd never really thought about it before, but I, I suppose that has had a massive influence. I think, in terms of the work ethic as well, you know, I've seen it. So, my dad was a kind of graphic planner, lithographic, which nowadays doesn't exist. No. no. Um, Amazing cope, kind of, yeah. An art that's not there anymore but we had our own studio and he was also a photographer and we had our own dark room, which doesn't really exist so much anymore. It's all digital, but yeah. So in the house where I grew up kind of in the countryside, yeah, we had a dark room, we had a studio and I would see him, you know, working in there late at night, you know, well, I'd be put to bed and then he'd go back to work, which is exactly what I do now.
0: Um, So that model was there for you. It's,
1: Seeing what your options are and that you can build a business and that you can believe in yourself and stuff, but also knowing um, what it will take, like the hard work. And I think sometimes that's what people might not think about either. So there's the things that, you know, you take for granted, like IT or or whatever it is, or just the admin mini bits that you have to do yourself that, especially in the start, you know, you're not going to necessarily have a load of other staff that you can delegate all the very annoying boring stuff to and obviously there are you know task rabbit or apps or all these things and people working remotely that you can get to help you but at the start you might not have the money to do that and you have to do it yourself and these tiny things that need to be done actually add up and make the business run and you have to get them done as well as all the big fancy stuff so yeah, it's that hard work and the hours that you need to put into it. And now I've got to the point where, you know, well, we? Are year seven, year six, I don't even know. More than that. Um, I
0: think mean, you're about year without, eight.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, seven, seven, hmm. seven <laughs> seven. Seven years into the business. I look back and I see where we've come from and, and what I used to do in the hours. And I'm nowhere near those hours. Um, but however, with the pandemic and now with two kids... I'm nowhere near the total amount of hours because there is a certain amount that you just do and then is set up like your branding. Obviously, you'll need to come back to it. But because also I'm so passionate and I'm very particular, very, very particular on our branding. It took me a lot of man hours to make sure everything was right. Um, But now that I don't need to do that as much. um, Um, No, you're very clear about it. um, What happens now is I've got the kids during the day. So I'm working to like 2 a.m. at night because, you know, now my son's, uh, the school, uh, the, his year group has to close because of COVID and, and everything. But I, so I'm doing all the longer hours, but not as many hours. But I love being able to be flexible with my family and everything and work when I want to work. So that's, uh, you know, that's a massive thing that's for me. It's a huge bonus, um, isn't it? Uh, what I give up, though, is sleep. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not what good. what suffers, so... I have to do the work yes I have to look after my kids yes and sleep is the one thing that therefore
0: gets cut (laughs) but that's how it is good I I I think that I think that's really brilliant and and I, I think what you're describing is very typical for a lot of people can we just look at What has changed for you because of COVID? Because obviously a big part of what you did was all those experiential events and things. And then last summer, sorry, last spring when lockdown first happened, obviously everything shut for a period and then things began to open, but it was all the outdoor stuff and we had the amazing weather and things. So can you just talk a little bit about how, what, what has happened for you? Can you just describe to us the the good and the bad of, of the last fifteen months, really. Yeah,
1: goodness. I, I mean, listen. Every uh, COVID has affected everyone in so many different ways. It was a really hard one for us, especially at the start. So it was at the start of our season. So you know, we'd just been through a time of um, less cash flow and all of that stuff because we're a massively seasonal business. Obviously, we're ice lollies. But remember, kind of starting to think, okay, how's this going to affect us in the run-up when you kind of knew that something was coming, but you didn't really know the full devastation of what was going to happen. And then there was talk of the lockdown. You're like, okay, what does a lockdown actually look like? And so for us, yeah, it just, I mean, as a lot of business, it happened overnight, but just at the start of our, you know, our main season. And we turned around and where most of our kind of um, revenue streams come from are our impulse, which is cafes, zoos, uh, uh, you know, anything like that. A, a, basically, a, a family day out anywhere for a moment, minute to a whole day yeah. um, is where our lollies might be sold, and we want to have a you know healthy, organic, nice, plastic-free option uh, compared to Magnum or Clipper or whatever it is out there. So all of that just went overnight, yeah. and we were like right okay you know what how how are we going to weather this storm you know all of our impulse places shut overnight so we're thinking right what does that mean that's our main revenue stream now we're also on Ocado which is really great for us you know in terms of our lollies and what we offer it ticks the Ocado demographic so much that's great so I'm pretty sure everybody knows Ocado's done really well because of online shopping and all of that stuff. So I think people are thinking, yeah, you've done really great. You're on Ocado. However, you know, when the pandemic hit, just after all of our all of our stock is closed, Ocado were like, oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, you need to go on. You, you'll be on hold. So you can't sell any of your lollies um, because we need to prioritize
0: um, toilet roll uh, and pass down um,
1: items. Toilet roll, you know, when everybody went crazy for to- crazy for toilet roll, which obviously completely makes sense. Toilet roll and um, antibacterial spray and everything that everybody wanted to buy is far more important than ice lollies. However, everything therefore with our revenue streams just stopped. Oh, and you you also touched on events, so that we we kind of basically had already ruled out for last year um, straight away. So. Everything stopped, and you're thinking, okay, so we've got no income coming in. We don't know what's coming up in the future at all. You know, when are we going to be able to be sold again on a carder, and people can order us? But also, that has an impact because people look, and and it says it's basically out of stock when it wasn't. But you know, people don't know that, or they can't get it, or whatever. But they, it then changes their habits because then you need to wait weeks for when you're you are back and available to be bought they still don't know that you are back and being available. So that takes weeks to come back to uh, being added to people's baskets again. And yeah, no events either. So it was really, really scary. And we thought...
0: Can I just ask about um, two things that you've sort of said there? How So how long were you unavailable? How many weeks was that, that they wouldn't allow you to stalk at Ah
1: now off the top of my head mm. I don't know no. because you know in your in that period of everything going wrong and you're thinking how do we weather the storm can we get through COVID lockdown but I want to say it was about six eight weeks at yeah. least um just because obviously their logistics things were going crazy for them everybody was ordering no one could get slots everybody's bulk buying and they had to change so much of their business to be able to accommodate that as, as so many businesses have yeah. had to. Um, so, yeah. And then I think coming out the other side of it, again, it's quite hard actually now looking back. And I probably haven't reflected on it because I haven't had time. I've had to no. just keep on working. And that's another thing coming back to owning your own business. You never celebrate the good bits, the wins. You always just have to be firefighting. That you can't turn around, give yourself a pat on the back because you're still you're on to the next thing that you need to sort out. Um, And
0: you've got a list of to do's, not a list of done's. Yeah, you just need to crack on, don't you? Um,
1: So, yeah, that was I I think it's about eight weeks.
0: Good. that's. And then in terms of events, obviously you use events. To get your name out there, to meet new people, to create that feeling around your brand and things that then drive sales at all the other places that you go. I mean, in a, I know there is no such thing as a typical summer, but say the summer before, how many did you plan to do? Cause I know you normally do them between Easter and sort of, and you try and wedge them in. And because they're so weather dependent, those kind of outdoor things, I know you do lots of them so that the statistics are that you're likely to hit some really good ones if you're doing a lot of them. So what, what would the summer before have looked like? How many events would you have done?
1: So, yeah, our kind of typical summer would be, you're right, we start at Easter time and we end um, end of September, really. And, yeah, we basically try and do a event every single weekend, really mm-hmm. from there, especially from, say, May half term yep. onwards um and then come summer holidays or just before kind of um school summer holidays we are back to back with big festivals yes so you know a big festival it then becomes very logistical um because you have to sort out so many things and you are then on the road um and camping yeah <laughs> for the festival might might be from say thursday to sunday but because, you know, we're trading and stuff, we have to set up, we have to break down. That is a Wednesday to Monday. So and a- then you're back on the road Wednesday again. Yeah, And it's almost, almost back to back with your yep. big festivals. Yep. So it's, it's a really big undertaking, actually. And so we used to do that all ourselves. But now I do have an events team because I physically can't get to the no. events with the kids. Um, but we do still go and we take, well,
0: not in COVID times, but... No, but you were still, still going and, and taking them. Yeah good
1: so um yeah and 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 like you say weather dependent and we just try and yeah statistically do as many as possible and we know we're going to get rain but then sometimes we get the absolute heat waves which we love that's that's the best one (laughs)
0: absolutely ice lowly weather what so tell me um what you've done then to replace the fact that obviously you can't do those events and then when you when parks and places opened back up and got busier again, you know, did that help or, or was last year still very difficult for you the whole way through the summer? Yeah. So in the end, last year ended up being we, we managed
1: to be OK and actually kind of do uh, do well. And I think it helped with that people obviously have been cooped up so much that then they would really want to get out there so we had a lot more people out during the summer probably buying our lollies um, when we were back on Ocado that really helped and I think the other thing with our lollies are is that it's a treat for the whole family and actually it's a you know they're not cheap because they've got a whole real fruit they're organic it's not going to be one of those you know blue bubblegum lollies that literally like a pence to make and and Um, keeps you up all night (laughs) so we do have a higher price point but when you're when the families come out they think yeah I'm going to treat the whole family because you know they haven't been on holiday they haven't been doing anything they haven't been to a restaurant but it's a small treat that that is still really lovely to have even if it's just at the park or they've been for the day out of the zoo or whatever so I think that's really helped us last year and this year yeah and you know with the events, we do them because we're a very small fish in an absolutely massive pond you know we're we're playing with some really big people like walls, Unilever, you know that have massive brands that everybody knows, and we're this challenger brand that's trying to come in there with all the best intentions of plastic free packaging and, and organic and vegan and all these things to and we did that because we want to be able to be available to every single person or as many people as possible and so we do events to try and get to people in a way that well it's almost like experiential marketing because if they're at a festival it's like being on holiday or if they're at the park or something like that that or um you know seafood festival whatever whatever it is a big music festival or a or food festival they're in a really good headspace because they're having fun with their family. It's like being on a mini holiday. And we are there to put a smile on their faces and give everybody this lovely snack and all of that stuff. But when they come back to cardo or uh, the cafe or wherever it is, or a whole, food, a whole food shop, they remember our brand hopefully instantly because they've got all these great memories in their head that we've helped to build up with Kenny our vintage VW combi um, and our lollies at these kind of cool, fun events. And, you know, they're, they're experiential marketing, but you know what? They're a lot of hard work. There is so much planning before you're on the road or the stock take this, you know, there's always problems going on. There's the weather. There's So it's not a, an easy marketing fix. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, well, there's also the spend, but it's just that time and energy it is to organize this but I really hope it pays off. And obviously we wouldn't keep on doing it if we didn't think we it did. So, but yeah, love events.
0: I, I mean, I, I think I think that's really true. I think that's really true because people your friends and other people who hear that you spend your whole summer at festivals think that's a breeze then. Oh, that's really good. They're outdoors, just hand that ice lollies, talking to people, selling them, having a great time. But it is a huge amount of effort behind the scenes. And even if you've got an events team that's doing it, you've still got to get all the organisation, all the booking, making sure you've got the right stock, thinking of having new things, different things that you can talk about. And although your business is very seasonal, the time of year that you sell is pre-spring, you know, so where you're in getting new customers and things like that. So there is a constant evolution. So it is a year round business whose income is concentrated, but workload is is throughout the year, isn't it? Yeah, you're totally right.
1: It's Because it's really hard because actually there's a fine window. So when you think about kind of, say, supermarkets, they make their decisions about summer in like October time or earlier because then they've got Christmas and everything. But yeah, they're making their decisions far, far in advance. Then we've got our kind of shops and and, um, cafes and everything like that. They're making their decisions before you know easter and actually we've got kind of you know february half term which a lot of people try and be ready for as well so like you say the season is throughout the year and you have to be ready to then maximize the most of it during the summer period and easter and kind of spring summer that if you miss those sales opportunities you've got to wait a whole year which is really hard yeah so it's a hard one it's it's you know constant
0: <laughs> good stuff stepping outside your comfort zone. People talk about you have to step outside your comfort zone. If you didn't do that, then you're not growing and you're not stretching. What is it that when you look back at the last seven years, what does it amaze you that you're doing that you didn't necessarily think you personally would do? Oh, hard one.
1: Again, often I don't think of these things, I just do it. Um, I'd probably say the factory, Definitely stepping outside my uh, or our, both Dom and I, our comfort zones um, because we'd never set it up before. Um, obviously, we enlisted the help of people that did know what they were doing, but at the same time, it's on us. So, just yeah, the sheer machinery, the processes, the food safety, all the technical aspects are really hard. So, I, I think, yeah, that would be my main one um, would be the factory, and then secondly, would be money. You know, we're talking like a lot of money cash flow just you know it's a hard one because it's you're always looking at you know can we afford this can we invest back in the factory which we do a lot so then you need you know will we have if we invest now will we then have the money cash flow wise during the summer and all of that so setting up the factory and just money and finances which is always the kind of the nitty-gritty and it can be very stressful
0: Similar, but slightly different thing. Um What is the one thing that you've learned about yourself now that you wish you'd known earlier in your life, even before your seven years doing this? What's the... My goodness, Jane, you are asking me some hard questions.
1: Oh. Um, I know
0: you've got the answers in there. It's about you, so I know you will.
1: Maybe the the resilience, mm-hmm. that you know, just overcoming problem after problem and kind of going back to this like you know you can't celebrate the wins because you just keep on fighting, you need to just keep on going so I suppose I'm quite good at that um and oh maybe managing stress which <laughs> am I managing it well and now I don't know with both the kids at home and, the, I and, and everything are. I feel very stressed but I'm quite good at managing stress I hope um I am I think I am no I already knew I was good at juggling everything so and that's been a real skill but that's good and yeah, you know what? Oh God, cheesy. Um, cheesy alert, but yeah, believing in myself and ourselves and really I think, you know, we can do this and going for it and knowing that we can sort out whatever problems come, we can we can face it together and
0: that's where it's yeah, lovely so that, too, that there's, yeah, there's two of you. Good. Great stuff. Um so obviously I know that all the recipes and things came from ideas that you had and things. What have you eaten recently that has inspired you? What's been your most recent, ooh, that could be a lolly flavor or?
1: Okay, this is where I'm afraid it's going to be a bit boring an answer. And so I have these moments, but then unfortunately it comes back down to reality. And then I can't actually make them. <laughs> so um, being organic mm. is one thing. It, it really does constrain us and what I can make because I can't source the ingredients as organic in, I, and I think it's, it's, our, we're in the middle of, you know, we're not a, even a, a one tenth of a Unilever or whatever. So no. we can't meet the absolute, you know, massive container loads that i need to have as moq of some mm. stuff for example like i used to do a watermelon lolly mm. and it looked so cool it had kiwi on the bottom watermelon on the top so it actually i can like remember watermelon. it looks like a slice of watermelon However, <laughs> i can't get organic watermelon and I, now and before i used to process it and i used to cut all the watermelon and take the seeds out and and puree it and all of those things i cannot do that now because we're at the scale where we physically can't but i'm also not at the the point of ordering you know 15 tons of organic watermelon so actually that's an that's a different problem where i want to be really creative but it comes down to kind of scale organic possibilities of what ingredients i can get in but also the other problem is um so we are free from all 14 top allergens
0: yep which makes it really brilliant.
1: hard so you know just finding stuff that i uh, i it's really hard to find a vanilla base because I don't use soy. I don't use dairy and I've tried many things and we use coconuts, coconut milk instead of dairy. And I've tried many things, but I can't get a vanilla to work. It it just doesn't hold with, with the coconut or, or, and I've looked at other options as well, but so it doesn't, it's yeah, that's a hard one, but I just need to be more creative and think of how I can use fruit in other ways. So for example, we've got a mango raspberry, and I think the mango and the, t- uh, the kind of sweetness of the mango and the, the, the smoothness of it goes well with the tartness of the raspberries. And then we mix it in and it makes a swirl and stuff like that. So it's coming up with different ways to play with the fruit and the ingredients in Brilliant. that sense. Also, I have learned from events. That's another reason why we did events. Um, I used to have oh, so many different flavors and it was so cool. We also we did a book with so
0: many flavors. Mm-hmm. It's a but- great book. You
1: give someone all the choice of all these cool... Like we had a matcha tea flavour, which, oh, tasted gorgeous. We had a... My personal favourite that I've ever made is um, a peach iced tea with lemon tea and peaches. Oh, it's so good. We had all these different flavours. Can I have the strawberry one, please? People always come back to the one that they know. They want to see crazy flavours, but especially when we're doing events... They want to see crazy flavors on the board, but they don't choose the crazy flavors. So in terms of actual sales, we have been there. We have tested out all the cool flavors, but it's the standard flavors that people come back to. And the reason why they're the top flavors and winners are because everybody loves them. So our top flavors are like strawberry lemonade, which actually I love. I think it tastes so phenomenal the zing of the lemon, the strawberries, it just all comes together. And our Simply Chocolate, which actually, you know what? That's another proud thing, actually, thinking about it now. I love our Simply Chocolate Lolly. And I feel, I haven't come from a food background, but I've managed to make this chocolate lolly that is really creamy, tastes really chocolatey, and it has no dairy. And for someone that I feel, you know, if a, whoever massive company can make a vegan lolly or ice cream, whatever, it's gone to a lab and a technical, you know, a food technician or many food technicians that have been through the process for years. And I've managed to make this um, chocolate lolly that...
0: Amazing chocolate you know, lolly. And,
1: oh, and when I get the emails or people come to me that I'm like, oh, my son has never been able to have an ice cream or a lolly before. And he's just had yours because he's allergic to dairy, nuts, soy, you know, everything. I feel so, so pleased that I've managed to make that child happy and the family happy. So, yeah,
0: another proud moment there. Brilliant. Good. If you were talking to somebody who was going to start a business, a food business or any other business, what would you say to them to do early on? What would be your top tip? Either something you did or something you wished you'd done.
1: Oh, another hard question. Really making me think. Good. Okay. So... My number one would probably be branding. But as I say, I come from a branding background. I'm really passionate that your branding should look right. So take the time to get it right. Really think what you want it to look like in the future. And I I was very mindful of that because I didn't want to do something. And then people start to be aware of the brand and what it looks like and then change it. Because you don't continue that kind of brand following if you look completely different. So having that in mind and I think if you go with your ideas in mind with your branding you need to also have what you love but almost almost just important is what you don't like and I am very very specific and I did this all over our marketing so from the website to the branding to anything I'm buttoning it all down at the beginning like you know I'm really those small details But look it up and be like, when you go to your designers and say, this is the website I like, you need to say what you don't like as well. So you don't get that back. And also you're informing yourself in advance that you probably haven't actually thought about what websites you don't like or you have. But you haven't bothered to note it down. That You've noted it in your consciousness. Oh, God, I hate when it scrolls like that or whatever it is. So all those things. And as you're starting out, I think in general with your branding, marketing. You should be looking at not just your sector, the sectors all over, so then you can bring it together and form the best possible thing that you can for for you. Now, if you are not design minded, then, yeah, do get some help in. And just in general as well, another tip, yeah, the things that you are not very good at and not confident at, especially if it takes loads of time, then that's where you need to spend your money. So don't, you know, right at the beginning, beginning, you might need to do everything yourself. But as soon as you can afford to, and you know, you've got value added there, you know, push that part of your business, for example, accounting. Oh, my goodness. You know, we did that right from the beginning. So yeah, great.
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think I suggested that you guys both read the Emma Three Visited the Michael Gerber book at the beginning, which is all about when you have to do everything yourself, making sure you document everything so that you can easily hand it on to other people, making a list of the things you don't like doing. So as soon as you can afford to get other people to do things, you get them to them. Because A, you'll never do them as well if you don't like them. And also it just takes a lot of time and you've got to do the things that really that are easier for you to do. So I think I think that's all brilliant advice. If you were to sum yourself up in three words, what would those three words be? Three words. Oh. Hardworking. Definitely. Passionate. Superb. Driven. Creative. Definitely,
1: I think those are 100%. my words. But I'd like to come back and change them um, when I'd like, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think these are really good ones. You are definitely all of those. They they do sum you up, and it's hard to only have three because as an entrepreneur, we tend to have lots of lots of things going on, so lots of skills and things. So. And just
1: actually, because obviously Dom's not here, so yes, a kind of bit. But if I had to say for Dom, yes, and this is where. We complement each other. So Dom, I would say dreamer or dream big. Mm -hmm. He has the idea. Dream big, I would say. And then I'm the one that puts them into action. Brilliant. But, you know, so dreamer or, yeah. Um, And another two for Dom. Oh, it has to be passionate again, which I think is so important anyway. So I'm going to say that for both of us because to make it work and keep on going and go through all the hard times... You have to be passionate um, and resilient. Brilliant. Um, again, you need that as well.
0: Great. I think that's fantastic. I'm sorry, I'm I'm delighted that Dom couldn't be here because it he's only not here because he was so busy, which is phenomenal. Um this was being recorded during that nice warm spell and so sales and demand for product had really gone through and so he had to get onto get onto the production floor and get that done. But it's lovely to have spoken to you and to have had some insight and just to have caught up again on on where you are seven years on. So thank you very much for giving us this time in in the midst of homeschooling, babysitting, taking in a supermarket delivery and a whole lot of other stuff, you've done amazingly well. And that's definitely, that juggling skill is definitely one of them, isn't it? So thank you.
1: And thank you so much, Jane. It's been really fun talking about the business and everything. And yeah, long may this lovely sunshine and hot weather continue, please.
0: Brilliant. Yep, definitely. Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the Food Business Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick up your podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let me know what you enjoyed or connect to me at Jane Milton Food on Instagram or at Food Networking on Twitter. And if you found this helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about it too. See you next time.